Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Chain Attack. I'm your host Trevor, and I have uh, 200 hours into Starfield, probably. What has even happened here? But you <laughs> finished the main quest line, right? So there's something that happens in a lot of modern RPGs, and this isn't the only one. It's called New Game Plus, and it's something that happens in a lot of um, Souls-like games, for example. But it's also happened in previous Bethesda games, I believe. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's it's become a kind of a trend amongst these types of games, these RPGs. And basically, when you fe- finish the game the first time, it unlocks a new experience uh, that is the next game. Basically, you replay the game with with um, new features that were not available through the first playthrough. Um, and I am so I'm oh, on my. Oh, that's s- right. You told us that. Okay. So I'm on my second playthrough, uh, my first new game plus. Um, I know for a fact that Starfield has new content uh, for up to ten, t- minimum ten different replays. <laughs> so I don't know that I'll make it that far, but I know that the game, the story changes ever so slightly every time you play it. That's crazy. Okay. I did not. I, I'm Jay. I did not expect that Starfield was going to. Me either. W- was going to lodge more hours than F1 Manager 2023. Ah, it, uh, it is not. Oh, 2023. Dang it. But F1 Manager 2023 just had like its fourth patch. Like they they are actively fixing any minor issues, um, gameplay. I don't want to call them bugs, but like gameplay um, issues with the way the AI works. They just added a um, a difficulty slider, which it's never had before. The difficulty is always the default. They've added a slider so you can set it to easy, medium, or hard. Medium is what it was always on before. So there's there's a bunch of stuff now available um, for F1 Manager that was not there before. And you said that it's now part of Game Pass as well. Um, I don't think it is yet. It is going to be part of mm. Game Pass soon. Uh, and I am Josh, and I only have a mere eight hours of... No, I don't even think it's eight. It's probably only four hours of my Starfield play as a space axe murderer. But I am uh, enjoying it. And I don't know if I'll get to Trevor's level of hours, but I would be proud of myself if I did. I mean, are you like... When I was at eight hours, I'm like, what can I do to get out of all responsibility and sneak to the basement? <laughs> yes, are, are I am you at that point? Oh, okay. Asking me. Yes, I'm asking if you're getting the same feeling that I am. Um, the F1 manager thing following up, it's tomorrow. That it. So when whoever mm. listens to this, it's it, it is it is available it's on Game. Already Pass. live. Yes. Interesting. Um, news with DGI. I'm I'm not sure what to say this week other than. Uh, go get, I mean, I guess I've already said this, but, um, the new core box for Marvel crisis protocol is, is live and, uh, go, go get that. How good of a value would you say it is? Oh, I'd say it's really good. Yeah. Is it, um, is it like a reprint of the originals have all the same characters? It's a new core box. So basically it has all the characters that were in the first one now have new versions of them with new way sculpts. better with way better sculpts because they're when you say new versions they're they're different characters in the game uh-huh yeah oh wow yeah they'll have completely different stat cards etc and so uh to talk to your question about value um you usually get um you know two two characters will cost 40 to 50 dollars before discount um 
in a, in a normal crisis protocol box. This is, uh, I think 10 characters. And the box is about a hundred. Uh, it's one fifty. One fifty. Okay. Yeah. Then it has, uh, you know, the new measuring tools, et cetera, et cetera, as well. So, um, so this past weekend I went down to Salt Lake city and played Shatterpoint with my friend Patrick and my friends, Trevor and Josh stayed here in Idle Falls and played board games. And we're going to talk about the board games that they played. I must ask before we start on that, how many games of Shatterpoint did you get in over the weekend, Jay? Um, so I have a sad tale, Josh. Uh, and it it involves poor planning slash me being an old man but um you know i remember back in the day when i could not get very much sleep get up have a solid day of gaming and just be fine and i am no longer that man Mm. (laughs) so um on Saturday, I went to bed, or well, I went to bed before then, but I fell asleep probably about uh, 4.30 in the morning. Then my alarm went off about two hours later and drove down to Salt Lake. Didn't have any issues with, I I wasn't really tired, but um, we, we got together, had breakfast, played my first game, and that was the point where I was like, oh, I... Did only sleep two hours last night, <laughs> and so my refresh rate after a game was was a lot slower. And so uh, we went and did a walk, and then did another game, and um, I tapped out then. And then we we played some more on Sunday. But uh, yes, sad times. <laughs> this is a little sad. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, let us begin on the icon report. Excellent. Um, which honestly, let me start. I just want to say, so kudos to John DeYoung. Yeah, basically that's the short version of uh, what I was going to say is just in case our listeners don't remember the history, like, you know, I, I started icon, I think 15 years ago. Didn't we figure that out the other day, Trevor? No, it's longer than that. Was it 2007? No, 2005, I believe. Five, that's right. Anyway, so it's funny, like, we had, we looked at some old pictures where my kids are super young at some of the original icons, right? Uh, and uh, Trevor and some of our other friends, you know, helped me run it for quite a, quite a lot of years. Um, and and we, we had kind of gotten to a point of being not, not stagnant. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, growth was over, I guess. So and, there's... There, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of cogs in a convention wheel or convention machine, right? There's so much going on, and one of the important things and one of the bigger things is um, advertising, and it's a lot of legwork. And the truth is, is that between Josh and I, and honestly, mostly Josh, um, we didn't have enough bandwidth to to do everything necessary to grow the con, and so the con had started well, to slide I, over the years i also yeah. feel like the initial genesis of icon and, and correct me if i'm wrong here josh was it was basically creating two weekends a year where josh could go play board games <laughs> and, and to be fair it, it only started as one we uh weekend a year sure but when that's your goal um you are achieving that goal whether or not you advertise and a bunch of people show up or if you <laughs> uh don't advertise and sure a smaller but there, show there up. was some um attrition that would sure yeah almost get to the point where i th- i think that 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 is you know probably the the largest stated goal but there was still a little bit of we're supporting the the general board game community, community. We, yeah yeah that's yeah right. we, we had it wasn't it wasn't completely and totally selfish you know, there sure. was some desire to to help the rest of the community and to increase and, and get the, the word out for board games. And, you know, but there was a big portion of it where, you know, we would it felt like the, especially the last few years, um, you know, the first weekend in October would show up and we'd be like, oh, yeah, 
icon is supposed to be next week. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, we were yeah. like, oh, yeah. crap. We, we, you know, we have not done all the things that we had planned to do six months prior when the last convention closed. And we talked about all the things that needed to change or needed to help. And we would have little spurts where, you know, uh, where we would gain some momentum and we would build up. But the truth is, is conventions are hard in multiple ways. And one of them is consistency. And, yeah. and I'll be honest, um, neither Josh nor I are great at consistency in anything in our lives, I don't whoa, think. Whoa, whoa, other than a podcast. Uh, okay, yeah, we're on the year tw- 12 or whatever here. I, 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 can, I can agree to that. But the consistency in everything else, we've just sort of, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, 200 hours worth of a game is kind of pushing the edge of my consistency. Yeah, um, that's true, right. So 18 years of and i wasn't involved the first few years 18 years of a convention is asking a awful lot because it is way more work than a podcast um, <laughs> so you know it, it just it kind of languished a lot there were years where we were doing better and we had some really great years where we had you know 150 ish people that showed up um, and sometimes those were various people but one of the things that felt like we always failed at was being able to get return people to come back you know there were some great people that i really wish would come up come again um who for whatever reason they came once or twice they were great we were we had we got great what i thought was great chemistry with them they, they i thought we enjoyed our games with them um and they just sort of fell off the planet and maybe that's because their life changed or whatever right, right? Yeah. i don't know they're the, the convention or us were responsible i don't want to i don't want to place blame anywhere but you know those people never came back and um you know so what was it two years ago john took over and he has he's consistent more so than any of us in my opinion well and um, he's done a better job than we ever did of finding partners for the advertising for other events beyond board gaming right which which draws more people um yeah and he's he's done a better job of being prepared he's already got the convention um booked out for the next year basically he's already got the the venue booked mm-hmm. he has you know he's and some of that is because it's easier to run a convention a little bit now there's more tools available than there were in 2005 for sure right but there's sure there's, sure there's online um registrations that were very difficult to do even six or seven years ago um so he's got a lot of momentum and um He's not 100% retired, um, but he is retired from his main job. He does a, a job kind of on the side when he needs work or when he wants work. And so he's able to devote the time necessary to reach out to these people, to make the phone calls necessary. And I will say when when Josh was gung-ho about this, when we were both gung-ho about this, and we were reaching out to, to vendors and other things to get support from outside, those were very successful years. And um, he's able to do that every time, whereas we were very inconsistent at that. Um, so he's he, this last icon. He got 249 people to show up, which is easily a record, not just for the times that we ran it, but also for him. You know, he's had he's had better. He's over just a short period of time. He's built up so that his last one was probably at or better than our best record. It was very close. You know, I I don't remember the old numbers, and it doesn't really matter. Fact being is, he had record numbers last time, or close to record numbers last time, and he definitely has record numbers this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. So, so for our small community, a, a convention of 250 people is fantastic, and a mu- a bunch of that is because he has networked with with communities that are outside our area, and that's one thing that Josh mm-hmm. and I were never good at was going to SaltCon. And being able to start up conversations with strange people and invite them to Icon. <laughs> I mean, when we, when Josh and I go to Salcon, we go to our corner, we play our games, and we enjoy our weekend. It's so true. But and John, the one or two times, uh, the one or two times a year that I play with strangers, or or my brother and I play with strangers, then we talk about it in in hushed tones of of horror <laughs> for years to come. But John, he goes to he goes to SaltCon and he plays at random tables with random people and he tells them. It spreads the word. Yeah, he spreads true. the word. He is 
he is the most extroverted introvert that I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So all that to say is he did a great job. He's really expanded the con, you know, the library continues to grow, um, big tournaments, big vendor involvement. I mean, anyway, and I had a great time and I was just there as a consumer this year, you know, basically. So Trevor, I, I have to read you this tweet that, that summarizes uh, what you just said and who you are. <laughs> who I am or who yes. we are? I well, I mean, sure, we can say we. <laughs> oh, sure, okay. Uh, it says, making new friends as an adult is hard because the people I get along best with are the ones that also don't want to leave their house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Yeah, I, there's a shirt I wanted to get. It says there's two types of people in the world, and I don't like either of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're nothing if not predictable. <laughs> so, let's let's begin at the beginning, and uh, tell me what you loved and hated from Icon. Well, I'm going to start with, I will give you probably my game of the con. Um, and then I'm curious to hear Trevor's game of the con because I you're, think you're going to might... shoot your shot right, right now. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I got lots of other stuff. To we, talk we got, about we got plenty to talk yeah. about. I know. Um, my game of the con this, this, uh, weekend had to be oath. Um, I had promised to, um, a, a friend <laughs> of, of ours that I would teach oath. I taught it. And I'm like, yes, I still love the chaos that this game engenders and the political manipulation. And I mean, speaking honeyed words. Okay, I just like it. Uh, So for those for those of our listeners who don't know what Oath is, um, you are members of a kingdom. You're either the the chancellor or exiles, you know, from a former kingdom. And the chancellor basically has to kind of defend his seat and the exiles are, you know, trying to find a way to properly rebel and and win that way. And what you know, the, one of the tools the chancellor has is to offer citizenship to the exiles. And so then they they join his team, but they still have an alternate win condition. You know, should he win and they have satisfied this other th- condition, then they actually win instead. And so you know, it just it just engenders sort of a mistrustful backstabbing environment. Uh, and somebody's going to get King made at some point in time. And yeah, I think the, the easiest ex- explanation I have for oath and, and I'm curious if you feel that this is unfair, Josh, I'm ready. Um, but there's, there was a old card game and, and I know it was just based on, um, I, I forget what the, I think you could play this with just normal playing cards as well, but um, the one that was was made by Garfield uh, was the Great Dal Moody, where you had one one player who was the Great Dal Moody, and then the lesser Dal Moody was under him, and basically every player had a rank, and the whole purpose of of the game was to uh, try to improve your rank. Yes, and, and the great the two Dal Moody's. Um, enjoyed some advantages yes right yes and and the the greater and lesser peons their their life sucked (laughs) (laughs) but they were still trying to upend the societal uh structure and and this game feels like it is a long form version of that yes yeah i think that's fair The, the other thing i will say that i think is a a fun element of oath but it's hard to see this full payout is it's campaignish in nature. Yes. So like, you know, we played a game, we played this game and it was this friend's copy, you know, that he cracked (laughs) to play at the con. And at the end of the game, like some parts of the world change. And so the next time he plays, and that's the thing is you don't really have to have the same group every time it would it, you know, would it bring a certain metagame and a certain, you know, added element? Yes. But I've played my own Oath World probably six or seven times, and I think I've only had the same group twice. You yeah. know what I mean? And and it's still, for me, it still kind of paints this fun picture. So, so Trevor, I, I assume Oath was not your game of the con, or am, am I wrong no. with that? No, it was not. Yeah. Um, I, I like Oath. Um, I think Oath has 
it has some problems that I know Josh doesn't really it doesn't bother him, but doesn't really right, care. <laughs> yeah. Um, my biggest issue with Oath is that uh, it, you can't sit down with anybody and enjoy it. In my opinion, it kind of takes you kind Multiple of need the right, the right the right group. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's the right mix of people, and I think it helps if everyone has played before. Yeah, and um, I uh, so yeah, it wasn't my favorite game of the con, um, but I have had enjoyable games of both. But I think it needs to be a little more handcrafted um, each play. Um, so, and and the other, the secondary problem is is it can suffer greatly from King Make syndrome. Like it, it, it just. I- Yes, that is basically. I think you built, have to expect built into. It. Yeah, yeah, it's this it, game. Yeah, it is and built I, in. I don't normally love that, but I do in Oath. So <laughs> you know, like what Trevor said about it has problems, and Josh just overlooks them. Yeah, that it's a hundred. It is my flawed child that I just cannot stop loving. <laughs> I wish I could quit loving you. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. That is me and Oath, baby. <laughs> I, I don't get me wrong i do enjoy oath but i would prefer it's just like um twilight imperium or even zaya honestly i almost feel like it i need the right group sometimes mm. yeah sure maybe not so much with zaya that one it almost doesn't No, matter. not as much right you just need the expansion with that one so that the economy is not a cluster yeah um and there are others obviously some games you, you just need the right but there's so much personal interaction with that game um that um if somebody you know doesn't interact um with you uh or if, if or if they're uh not as interested in, in in playing the honeyed words game it sort of loses some of the luster so if that makes sense yeah agreed yeah. agreed so okay Trevor. All right. I don't know if Trevor's going to shoot his shot, but, you know. Let's, let's do it, Trevor. All right. Uh, so my game of the con was one that I played four times over the weekend. I knew uh, it. <laughs> um, well, yes, yeah, so you would think that the game that he chose to play four times would likely be <laughs> his selection. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would hope uh, so. So I, the game is called First in Flight. It was a Kickstarter game. I backed it. It just arrived um, at my place maybe week ago two weeks ago um so first in flight is a uh it's a push your luck game much like quacks of quellenberg um you're it is set in at the turn of the century um you are inventors slash pilots who are attempting to be the first one to to gain flight um as defined by whatever they defined it by um so uh, you know, you can play the Wright brothers. You can play Glenn Curtis. I don't know the names of all the people. I just know those two people because I worked for Curtis Wright. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, the game is about building your deck, which is in theory your deck building is um, the, the contraption, your plane that you're building. So it has flaws built into it. Um, it has mechanical things that can go wrong during your flight. It has the ability to produce lift through glide cards or upgrade cards. That, And you're going for a bigger number. And each time you play your flight, um, the you set a high water mark, essentially, the longest distance mark. And if you fail to beat your long distance mark, your score is not improved. Your Your score is your single best flight. And you continue developing your plane. Um, you have funding coming from uh, multiple sources, um, and um, you can improve your flight skill, so your ability to fly the plane. And you can um, pl- prove your tech. There's tech cards, uh, skill cards, and then the last one is people, friends that that assist you in various ways. And you just your goal is to get as far as you can. I'm a big pressure luck fan, um, so. That's just a mechanic I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy games like Raw, like Quacks of Quellenberg, Qued- Quedlinburg. Yes, we'll give it to you. Yeah, I, I said, said your words. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, it's it's fun. I've enjoyed it. And basically everyone I played it with enjoyed it. Um, you know, it may not have been their favorite game of all time, but I no one walked away from it saying I did not enjoy that game. I even expect yeah, my wife most people to, are too polite had, to say that. It's, it's, you would think that, but that's not at all true at a board game. Yeah, that's yeah, that that's, is true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I I I was like 99% positive this would be Trevor's Game of Con. I played it twice, 
And I think Quacks of Quedlinburg is the most apt comparison because the pusher luck of stirring your potion feels most similar to the, you know, to the flight pusher luck thing. Yeah, the the biggest difference I would say is that the Quacks of Quedlinburg, um, the the manipulation is with the bag more than with the or with the quote unquote deck than it is with your powers or other things going on. Um, with um, with first in flight, it's more about the powers. It's more about the people, the skills, and the uh, tech um, that are, don't go into your deck. They're just things you can you can tap for lack of a better term you can tap them during your turn to do special things and so action selection because it's kind of a worker placement game um in a not worker placement what would you call it it is kind of worker placement yeah yeah it has a little bit the time track thing is like uh, there was a thebes i think I have not played Thieves, so I, I cannot say. But it has a, a time track where you're hopping over the next person. Basically, the person who's last in line goes next. And so if you can take minimal actions moving forward, you get more actions. But that doesn't necessarily get you the action you want. So sometimes you have to jump a little farther forward to grab the action you want. Right. Um, but the, the actions and the cards you use to manipulate your flights are w- more important than the deck. It, it's interesting because I saw two different three different play styles throughout the games that i played one of them was um one guy basically completely ignored his deck um you know his deck was very similar to what it was very basic Uh yeah i mean it gets bigger because there's certain things that add to it but he didn't go for upgrades so there's there's glide cards in your deck which give you one distance and then there's upgrade cards which are from two to five distance and you can put those upgrade cards in your deck but they introduce more flaws to your plane every time you upgrade it and add something new it introduces a new potential flaw and um so i saw both of those strategies one where you know you completely ignore the upgrades and instead you buy all these techs and these people and these skills to help you get farther um and then i saw the uh, the flip side of that people trying to do the upgrade path and i saw both of them win so Hmm. um i'm curious in your four plays trevor did any of the plays go to the fourth year yes fourth year but not the end of the fourth year okay I was just curious because the two games I played ended in the third year and they kind of shocked me, you know, when the like, whoa, it was it's done. Yeah. 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 No, we definitely got to the fourth year on one of them. Um, It was pretty close to the end of the fourth year. I'd say about three quarters of the way through the fourth year, but we didn't get to the end of the fourth year. If you get to the end of the fourth year, play stops. Whoever has the highest score wins. If you the game can end earlier than that um if somebody gets to 40 distance it's just kind of an arbitrary number i guess but for 40 difference um 40 distance and then everybody gets another chance including the person who set that record so you can still you can set that 40 distance and still lose um but it can come earlier than you expect and you could be just not ready because your deck your deck is not ready right 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 so I'm ready for us to go over the the more in topic, the more important question. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what is the game of the convention that you guys think I would have enjoyed the most? Oh, I don't know that we played one of those. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm trying to remember all the games I played. I mean, think of something in the power gridish. See, like I had brought Anachrony, which I still think you would enjoy, Jay. I want you to try it someday. Uh-huh. I hadn't brought Carnegie, which is another new one I think that you quite would have enjoyed. Um, you know, I don't know. How do you think Jay would have enjoyed Black Rose Wars, Trevor? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I think he would have enjoyed it. Maybe it probably wouldn't, you know, be on his top 10 list or anything anytime yeah, soon. But I think right. he would have at least enjoyed the gameplay. I think the one that we didn't play that he would also enjoy is um side real confluence yes yes that does seem right up his alley what is what is that one trevor was a coward though and didn't want to subject us to the nine hours it would have taken us to figure that thing out <laughs> yeah you got to describe it trevor you you're at least some have some study of the rule book okay so side real con yeah keep in mind for those of you who played it don't 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 at me because i haven't actually played it um so uh, Sidereal Confluence is a society 
where there's nine different races who have come together and built this Star Trek Federation, for lack of a better descriptor. Um, so they've they've come together and they have built this, you know, uh, perfect environment or perfect uh, society. society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, but they all have different ideas of what fair or right is, right? Because of their cultural differences. So in the game, um, you it's a trading game. You're trying to out-trade everyone and gain uh, more victory points from that trade. But you're all part of the same society. So when you come up with a tech, a new tech, um, everybody gets it. You get it slightly earlier than everyone else does, so you gain the benefit of it during, like, so during the round. One of the first things is to invent your new techs, and then every, and then you can use your techs, and then at the end of the round, basically everyone, everyone upgrades the techs that have been invented. So you get one round basically where you have that slight advantage. The 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 goal is to get the most victory points, and some of those victory points come from inventing these new things that help out all of society, right? Um, but it's it is you're playing lots of different cards. You have these unique decks and unique powers from your various races, and um, the 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 upgrades and techs allow you to trade one resource into other resources, which you can use to invent and do other things. The very late stage inventions, the tier four inventions, there's only one of them. So when you get to those, if you can get to them and and get the resources to invent them, they're straight up um, just for you. But for the most part, if you invent something, it helps everyone. So you have to be careful, you know, that what you're inventing isn't helping someone more than it's helping you. So your your mm-hmm. goal is to basically invent the things that help you more than they help other people. Um, and it's not, Josh said nine hours, but it's 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 like a two hour game. But the since nobody's ever played it at any of the tables that we would mm-hmm. have been playing it at, it's like okay, well we're gonna have to try to figure this game out, and we fully expected it to be a while. One of the interesting things is it will play up to nine players because of the nine different races, and it has simultaneous play. Everyone plays their cards at the same time and does their mm. conver- their, their power conversions. So in theory, it plays quickly, right? Um, I don't know if that actually translates into um, actual play. Uh, the other part of it that, that may cause it to become the nine-hour game is there's a, there's a period in which you can actively make deals and trades with all the other players at the table. And so just like um, uh, Eastern and Western Kingdoms or any of those uh, other games where deals can be made, their recommendation mm-hmm. is that you set a timer and that when the timer's done, sure. the deals are done. So I think that it could definitely be played within time. The, 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 the simultaneous play should really speed things up. I think the biggest issue is the fact that um, no one's ever played it before. So I, what I really ought to do is like Josh and I ought to sit down just the two of us and play a two player game just so that we can get through, you know, two or three turns. Yeah. 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 And, and then we go, okay, now we're ready. And then we go grab, you know, seven other people <laughs> or three other people or whatever. I don't think it requires nine people. All right. Interesting. That's more novelty than anything. Right. Right. I am. I do want the nine player game. I'll admit because I'm a glutton for punishment. Yes. Yeah. And one thing I will say, no. um, so talking about one of the other games that we did play, we almost did play it with this attitude that Trevor just expressed where it was like, well, let's sit down and get through a couple rounds of this so we know how to play it, right? But then we ended up playing through the whole game. So that was Black Rose Wars. It's a beautifully produced um, wizard arena battle game, right? So you're you're trying to be declared the next Grandmaster Wizard, and you're wandering around this hex-based um, dungeon. Yeah, yeah, I was going to call it Wizards Academy or whatever, but Dungeon. And, you know, with the ability to activate different rooms, you have, um, you're kind of, you're kind of building a deck as you go, right, of spell cards, your your grimoire, and that gives you the ability to do some different, you know, attacks and stuff. And there are essentially seven different magic schools, six of which are accessible right at the start of the game, one of which is called the Forgotten Spells. Um, Anyway, there's quite a lot going on. You score points by, you know, killing defeating the other wizards which you know they'll just come back for more punishment afterwards or um by uh destroying rooms um and then there's also quests that you can achieve throughout the course of the game and and those would also get you um points so uh it feels like it took us five rounds of play trevor five or six maybe Mm -hmm. um anyway 
It doesn't feel that long, but yeah, it probably was five rounds. I think I think it was about that. It was interesting. Anyway, I thought it was it was really well produced. Like I said, it was interesting because I think the most fair game to compare it to is Wiz War, which is basically the exact same setting, you know, flavor, whatever you want to call it. And um, Wiz War is just a lot quicker, um, you know, and I don't even know if I could say it's a lot more chaotic because I, I don't I don't know that it's more chaotic, right? It just it just is. Um, anyway, so that that was um, I, I'm glad I played it. It was Trevor was wise. He said to me a couple of days before the con, like, hey, you ought to pick, you know, your top two games that you want to mm. try to accomplish this con, and we'll get to at least one of them. And that's exactly what we did because the other game that I had brought as a goal that we just never got to was. Um, Anachrony with some of the expansions. Anachrony is the time traveling Euro game. Is that a fair way to describe it, Trevor? Sure. Um, anyway, Je- Trevor and I have played it quite a bit on Board Game Arena. So the reason I brought the live version is I wanted to play it with the expansions. I think it's going to be a very different experience. Yeah, you mean in person? In not, person, yeah. Yeah, not on the um, not on the Board Game Arena. Sure, I think that's yeah. true. So uh, I, I have another selfish question for you that's somewhat related these are some of my favorite questions (laughs) what what upcoming board game or it could even be a recent release that you haven't played yet um would you say are your guys's most anticipated games slash the communities Mm, interesting so i'm gonna give this i'm gonna give it two answers I, i have a running list going right now so Trevor and I and our families are going to the Board Game Geek convention uh, middle of November this year. And so I have been assembling a list of games that I want to play while we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because one of them I actually know just came into stock at my favorite local game store, uh, which you may have heard of. It's uh, Gameopolis. Mm. Uh, um, and that is a better, game better called... Better known as DiscountGamesInc.com. That's right. Also that too. <laughs> That is one called Fit to Print, which is one with anthropomorphic animals who are um, publishing a newspaper. I mean, that's like the theme, right? Okay. I just heard it's kind of brain burny, not not super long, which I know is unusual for me to be interested in a game that you know you might play in a human lifetime. Um, but it, that's been getting a lot of good um, buzz, and so I think that's one I'm very excited to play. Probably at BGGCon. I mean, I might pick it up ahead of time and get a play of it, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Did you say you had multiple answers, or that was your answer? Oh, that's my... I'm looking at my list here. That's my first answer. Um, Gosh, one of the others that... I mean, I did mention them. I do still want to play Anachrony um, live, and I want to play Carnegie live, which is is also uh, relatively new, right, Trevor? Isn't that fair to say? Mm, Not that new, no. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess if it's had time to get a, a board game arena implementation, it might not be that new. Um, it came out um, last year, 2022. Okay, so that that's not that's not that old, but it's not that new either. Um, l- let me hear Trevor's answer, Jay, and I've got one or two others that I want to think about that I can probably mention also. Okay. So- I, I will admit that I I'm not as tied into the board game community. Sure, yeah, I don't yeah. listen to board game podcasts. I normally hear things about things late. My usually my I mean you normally hear you normally hear things from Kickstarter telling you yes. hey sucker you should uh Yeah, somebody somebody <laughs> back this, so should you. Um <laughs> so mine is based on Kickstarter to be fair. Um but I just like yesterday received um new expansion for return to dark tower oh um, nice yeah. and i i honestly know nothing about it i oh i didn't even know it was out jeez interesting closed, closed my eyes so i know zero about it other than it arrived yesterday and i have it sitting on my uh, dining room table so that's the one that i'm most interested in uh to play soon i don't think we'll play it at board game geek con because that would be probably too much to pack up and take yeah um but i think that there's a good chance that we will play it probably this weekend my family and i or soon um so i am pretty excited about that one um but i don't know anything about it so um so one other one i'll mention that's in a similar vein to what trevor just um talked about jay meaning that i've like recently received it on recently received it on kickstarter 
I don't know that we'll play it, you know, at BGG Con or or even anytime soon because it kind of fills the same slot as ISS Vanguard that Trevor and I have been playing with my dad and our two kids, and that is um, Oath Sworn into the Deepwood. So it is a it's kind hey, of a, my friend my friend Joe Waller's been playing that and loving it. Oh, okay, has he? So it's yeah. like um, but it's also would, the genre. It's kind of, of a mini RPG and, and like. Yeah. Yeah, and you it's co-op, right? You end up hunting like a giant monster basically every game, right? And so it has, you know, I, I would say the combat and the tactical nature of it is in the, in a similar vein to like um, Gloomhaven. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I'm pretty excited about that. And I, I might even be, the, but so the problem is, is, you know, it's a campaign game. And so I, I just, that's the one problem with campaign games is they just don't lend themselves to playing at a con, right? Yeah. And that's uh, part of the miracle of ISS Vanguard for Trevor and I. Like we set out like very deliberately this summer and said, "Okay, we're going to we're going to play this every week same day for as long as we can, you know." I I think it's cute you think we started it this summer. Was it spring? It was last winter. No, it wasn't. Come yeah, it on. Was. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Okay. All right. Well, you know. There was definitely still snow on the ground when we started. Nobody ever accuses me of a good. Sh- to be fair, uh, that was probably me. it. Probably was spring, but there was still snow on the ground in Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you're, and also, Josh's life was all a blur with uh, going to Boise and mm-hmm. true, true, true. That's true. I actually think it was before he left, and then we. No, maybe you're right. Maybe it was spring when you got back. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it had to it, have been. I think Oathsworn is the same kind of thing. Like it will take a concerted effort and goal, you know, and a dedicated group to to see it to completion. Um, so, do you think that it is that that's the most likely thing that we replace ISS Vanguard with, or do you think that we no? Make it? I well, we definitely won't make it before I go back to Boise. Um, and, and the other the other reason is I don't know if it will be. What I thought might happen with ISS Vanguard, I don't think it's worth trying to duplicate with with. I don't think it's worth trying to duplicate ever again, which is having five players for a four player game. Now I know that sounds like a really oh, is, this a, is Oathsworn another four player game? It is. It is. Oh, right? I see. And to me, that's the major limiting factor. Right? Is um, you know, it, I know that sounds stupid. Like, well, yes, Josh, it says that it's only for four players. Why, <laughs> why would you think anything different? Right. Uh, but my, you know, my thought was, you know, someone would manage the game. Me, meaning someone, me would do a lot more of the management and my 10 year old would be a lot more engaged. He just wasn't. And I think, he, I think even, even if he thought Oathsworn was the coolest, because it does share a lot of similarities with a video game that he's particularly fond of, which is, um, Monster Hunter, right? Uh huh. Because I think that you like, as you beat monsters in Oathsworn, you you know, you carve off body parts and turn them into your weapons and that you know all that kind of fun stuff. Sure. I, I think even with all of that, he's going to not have the level of interest, you know, to to stick with it if 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 it's not just four players in the game. But so I so anyway, I think we need to find. Go ahead. Let's say he's he's. He's going to turn 11 here in two months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like um, my son's 12, and he's I think he's abnormal for that age as far as his interest in board games. Like, I, I totally understand how your boy's like, he's his interest moved quickly. And right. I don't think that's abnormal for a 10-year-old, especially in this day and age. Um, and my son is just, he's different. He's cut from different cloth. He's nothing like my other two children. Who, I mean, my daughter's just barely getting to the point where she can stand a board game longer than about an hour, you, you know. So, and she's 17. So, um, yeah, I, I I feel your pain, but I think <laughs> I think it will come for him. It's just I, you know, he's pretty young. Do do either of you still look at the hotness list on Board Game Geek? I do, point? but the problem is, is that I don't I don't know. Just looking at it doesn't. I don't know enough about the the hot games. Yeah. I mean, so I, I didn't get to mention my other one that's on my my list, and I want to talk okay, about yeah. it because yeah. I think it's I think it's on all of our lists. Um, Queen's Dilemma. Okay. Um, I mean, this, that's that feels like a yes, but answer. <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, it's it's exactly what Josh talked about. We started King's Dilemma and never finished it, and yes. this is the sequel, 
Um, yeah. It is a standalone sequel, so you don't have to yeah. play the King's Dilemma, but right. I'm assuming there's going to be some references to the original. Um, anyway, I, it's one of those games where I would absolutely love to sit down and play through both of them over the course of, say, a weekend, like a three-day weekend. You just pound it out. You play back-to-back-to-back games. You think to you back could get games. through both in a weekend? I think, I, I mean, from our experience with King's Dilemma... If it was a three-day weekend, yes, I think so. I, I agree. Interesting. there. Yeah, I, I think you could, especially if you know you come in with people that kind of know the rules and you get you just jump right in. Yeah, yeah. So I think it well, would take you know four dedicated people to make sure it happens. Um, you know, and and uh, you're in a cabin somewhere to cut off all ties to the outside world, so the cell phone yes, does not yes, ring. right. Um, and uh, yeah, I think so. I would, I mean, I would even be able to say, let's do, you know, this one this weekend, and then next spring or what, next fall or whatever we do sure, the other yeah. something. I, I think that's doable too, but it it does require concerted effort between, you know, four people, and sometimes that's asking too much. I I can fully admit it, but I'm excited for Queen's Dilemma. I, I will. So this is purely, uh, I have opened the the top fifty hotness games on uh, Board Game Geek. The one that jumps out the fastest to me. Um, not having knowing really anything about these games, but uh, number three is basically a alternate history uh, industrial nucleum, age. right? Nucleum, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I did think that one looked interesting to you. The one yeah. right next to it, I'm like, I actually this is the first I've seen it, and I'm like, I'm contractually obligated to find out more about this game. Ancient knowledge. Ancient knowledge. I think that's one I can actually order. Well, um, frankly, make it so. I mean, look at sure, the tagline. I understand. Create unique card combinations to keep your civilization alive. Uh, I mean. Yeah, the tagline on Nucleum is, Nucleum is a heavy Euro board game in which players take role of industrialists trying to succeed during the economic and technological boom of 19th century Saxony, fueled by the invention and spread of Nucleum, a nuclear reactor. <laughs> if you were talking to anyone but a board gamer, you would have lost them about line two. <laughs> I, about I read word that and five, I'm just like, I think. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Amazing. What's interesting is the one that's most interesting to me is the one below Ancient Knowledge, which is Voidfall, which its tagline is Repel the Voidborn and Restore Dominium in this Space 4X for Euro Enthusiasts. Yeah, I mean 4X. 4X please, with Euro yes. Enthusiasts? Like, yeah. This, this mm-hmm. sounds, mm-hmm. sounds great. Delicious. Yeah, if you could if you could see me now, I'm rubbing my nipples. There's, there's I... erotic <laughs> things going on. TMI. Um... I am still – I think we've talked about this because we've played it on Board Game Arena. I'm still dying to play Barrage with Jay because I feel like it's in the power grid arena of games. You know what I mean? I agree. My biggest issue with the implementation on Board Game Arena is I've played it like five, six times now, and I still don't know what I'm doing. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I really need to sit down and see it and be and like hear the rules because reading the rules, it's not computing. I mean, I'm I'm just, it's not like I'm doing not doing well. I've won the game right. before. Sure. It's just I still don't I don't I look at it and I'm like I don't know you what do, I really you do not did. Yet rock the game. I don't yeah. get it, and yeah. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure how I won that one, but when I look at the board on like round four and my opponents have like four water droplets piled up behind these immense dams and I'm like, I built a conduit. <laughs> I I could create power in turn five when the game's about to end. Yeah, that's basically. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, we're, we're basically at time. I'm assuming we're going to do another episode talking about more games. Is sure. there any, any you want to do before we, we sign off, or do you want to save for, for later? No, I'm okay to save for uh, Yeah, I think we save for later. There's some interesting games, some games that um, I think work better for non-gamers, non-board gamers as well okay. that we'll discuss nice. that I think are Excellent. really good. Yeah. Uh, I do have a final dad joke, uh, and uh, my co-hosts can, of course, guess if it was authored by an AI or not. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, a lot of people don't know this about me. It's part of the reason that I built my Starfield character as I did is a chef, you know, a space chef turned axe murderer. But I uh, once got fired from my job as a chef uh, for stealing kitchen equipment. Yeah, it was a whisk I was willing to take. <laughs> I'm going to guess AI. <laughs>
Uh, actually, I cannot credit that one directly to AI, miraculously enough. It was somewhere on the internet, oh. which I, I know doesn't mean much. <laughs> okay, so I, I have a new uh, Ding Doom meme that I can share. Uh, but first off, you have to understand the the background of this meme. So have you ever seen the meme that is... Uh, it's it's illustrations and of cats and it's called the chonk chart. Oh yes, we love this meme. <laughs> we routinely refer to um, Olad, he's coming, which is very <laughs> high on the chart, right, Jay? Is this the right? Oh yes, that's that is okay. The, okay. Okay, so this is the uh, uh, chonk chart for Dune. <laughs> Dune. Okay. 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 So uh, a a fine boy is um fade ralpha uh he chomk is thufer hawat a heckin chonker and mind you these images are all from the uh 1980s dune movie so you get some extra bonus with that uh, a heckin chonker is the spacing guild navigator uh a hefty chonk is Beast Rubin, a Megatronker is the Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> oh man, I thought he would be. Oh lot he's coming. Oh no, wait, I know who. Never mind. Carry oh lot he coming is the Space Worm. Yes, <laughs> it, it's it's uh it's Paul the the third or whatever, isn't it? Right? Like, <laughs> no, okay. no, it's from the movie, and so it's an actual worm. You, you do see two little specks on top of him, but yes. <laughs> I love it. I love this chart, and I love that it has now been applied to uh, to Dune. Yes. You you have to send us the link to that one, Jay, in the Discord. I, I yeah, beg of you. I'll save the image and send it in there. Fantastic. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you for listening, and let us know what board games you guys are excited about.